several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter And why, oh why, am I in the studio When I could be out at Psalm Camp Which is going on right now in my neighborhood I was so actually bummed that my dear friend Who has been on this show many times He's mooched many moments of fame and glory Here on Grape Encounters Radio He is the sommelier to the stars Chris Sawyer But he is also... Camp master for Psalm Camp, and he's taken all these incredible sommeliers all over our wine region and didn't even invite his friend David, but he did drag them in here so he could get a little more publicity. Welcome, Chris Sawyer. Thank you very much, David. Psalm Camp is in full effect right now. Full effect. So you've got a whole gang of people that are on the short bus. You guys <laughs> missed out on some of the activities to just come over here and have a good time. But what did you guys get to do? You got to try some wines that you've never had before. Tasted some fabulous wines. Yeah. Can't talk about them on the air because they're super secret. Yeah. Super secret. We're going to talk Mom's about the word. There's some uh, multiple voices in the room here. There are two Chris's in the room. Of course, Chris Sawyer. And then we have another Christopher. Christopher Berrigan. I'm the sommelier at Fleming's Prime Steakhouse and also doing part-time duty at Petit Trois, which is the hottest new French bistro in L.A. right now. I gave to you some beautiful French wines. A beautiful French wine. They were so, they were so, <laughs> so, yes. I can only imagine you will want to have them in uh, the French bistro. I would love to have them in the French bistro. And then who is this beautiful Beautiful. Why, it's Sandra Bullock across Sandra. the table. So, so you do look like Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Ex- right? Introduce yourself, Veronica. Veronica, also not Chris, also Sandra Bullock. I am Veronica. I masquerade around the internet parts as Ringo Firefly. My alter ego, I highly recommend getting one. I am from the San Diego region. We have a really great psalm community in the area, and we love what we do there, and we're making so much progress in the wine industry right now. We have a lot of people who want to play. They're very adventurous drinkers. It's a good time to be a San Diego Psalm. So explain to me the group that you work for. They're a big group in San Diego. Yes. Lots of restaurants. It's one of the better known hospitality groups. It's the Patio Group, San Diego. We do have the fine dining aspect of the quality of our food. However, it is San Diego. You know, this is a, it's a flip-flop wearing town. You know, we live by the beach. We have different demographic areas where we cater to younger college kids to more affluent areas. And so we have a great spectrum of wine across the board in the, in the city. The wine momentum is really taking off right so now. You, so you both are Psalms. And of course, Christopher Sawyer is a Psalm as well. Is it becoming more common now for restaurants 
to have an in-house sommelier. I mean, there were restaurants that always did. I imagine Fleming's has never existed without sommeliers or maybe multiple sommeliers, right, Christopher? Absolutely. But even the smaller restaurants, the boutique restaurants, that's a thing, right? It's as important to have a sommelier there as it is to have a waiter or server. It is a thing, you know, with the advent of certain movies that have come out recently, people have that expectation of having a wine professional on hand, having someone who can recommend wines that they can pair with. So it's something that people are asking for. They've seen Psalm, the documentary, and they're asking for people in these positions. It's become an expectation. Mr. Sawyer, what are you going to teach them that they don't already know? Well, this is exposure to some amazing wineries up here in Paso Robles in the San Luis Obispo area. But I will go back to San Diego and the topic right now, just in the fact that the San Diego culture, the food culture has gone to a different new level than it's ever been before. So I completely agree with Veronica that we are moving into a area where people are tasting styles of cuisine that they've never tasted before. Their palates are becoming developed in so many different ways. And it's not just because of beer and, and wine, but also because of the food. It's a real integrated thing where the sommeliers are very important because they make the chefs look good too. But for the rest of the United States, where we have hundreds of thousands of people hearing this right the second. Mm. What do you say to them? Because I mean, I, it, I don't care if you go. To, I don't care if you go to Cleveland <laughs> or you go to Kansas City or you yeah. go to. It's not exclusive you know, to San Diego. It is not no. exclusive. You know, it, I, it, I mean, with yeah. all, all due respect to San Diego, yeah, I, I've noticed this wherever you go. This town. move toward regional cuisine and this amazement with wine is just taking over the world and it's so much fun but there, there's way too much to know about wine now isn't there on that point as a sommelier we don't just focus on the wine we are wine experts but part of our training is also beer learning about the different types of beer learning cocktails it's everything coming together pairing it with food and it's you know you were saying that people want that some experience and we can take you from start to finish and it's not just about the wine it's the liquor the beer and of course wine is is the underlying element but part of our job is knowing how to make it all come together yeah so what are you guys doing on this when you go on a field trip like this and do you do this pretty often is that a common thing i mean how do you how do you keep brushing up your knowledge because you know, there was a time when my parents' generation, there were only like four wines you could choose at your local, whatever it was, store that sold wine. And now there are, I don't know, how many Christopher in a typical grocery store? Not everybody yeah. buys wine at grocery stores that are listening or at the package store or the wine store, whatever place you buy it. But there could be in a regular grocery the store. Wine. How many SKUs are we talking, Christopher? We're talking hundreds and hundreds of SKUs in any grocery store or, or hey, online uh, wine sales or wherever we're at. It's an interesting thing. Here we are. We're in Paso Robles, San Luis Obispo area. It's an important area for us to be following right now because there's a lot of trends going on here. There are things, you know, we were just in Edna Valley tasting great uh, Pinot Noir and, and Chardonnay. But we also had Albareño. We had some really good cool climate Syrah. Here we are back in Paso Robles to get ready to go taste some amazing Rhone varieties tomorrow and some really top-notch cab producers. And we were just at Ancient Peaks tasting some fabulous Zinfandel and, and Paso Robles was always known about Zinfandel. Did you guys, did you guys zip line? Did you zip line? We did zip that line. We that, did. that was part did of the job you, that today. That was amazing. Did, yes. did, you zip, did you zip line 
before the wine or after the wine? Because I think you should Bef- really, you sh- I think actually it should be both. Yeah, I think we didn't drink before our taste. Actually, we, we did it very professionally. We did the little icebreaker thing, like let's wake up and go on zip line first thing in the morning. But it was a fantastic experience, you know. And, and last night we were at PG Canyon. And I'll tell you, those guys did a great job of getting us welcomed here to this area in Paso Robles. It's something when I think back in, in time about Paso Robles and, and why it's a special area, it really wasn't 20 years ago what it is today. Um, I mean, people would kind of remember it just for the Zinfandel of the old days. And even uh, one of our great hostesses today, Amanda from Ancient Peaks, was saying, you know, even when I was a kid, it was a ghost town here. Now it is one of the hottest tickets around in America where we're at. And yes, why, but, but in, again, in deference to other states and other regions it's an epidemic right now it's almost pandemic in terms of how regions are growing all over the country and we're spoiled to be in california for sure we are for sure but it's not just all over in fact it's not even all over the states it's all over the world wine is an absolute phenomenon that's why i just we only got a minute left but that's what makes me curious about how hard it must be. I mean, I know for me, I cover more how to have fun with wine than, you know, those very specific bottles all day long. I, I, I couldn't keep up with it, I don't think. Uh, how do you guys do that? Well, you know, that is the overall topic that we as part of the SOM camp are here to really focus on what one or actually two regions are really uh, – well, no, not two, three regions that mm-hmm. we're really focusing on this camp – uh, see what they really do well and, and how many different varietals there are. And for the Psalm Camp, it is about constantly learning and educating ourselves and just reaffirming, okay, we're here as Psalms and we definitely don't know it all. That's such a nice thing to hear because there was a time when a Psalm wasn't know it all. And now I think today's Psalm is proud of the knowledge that they have, but they don't put their knowledge out there with their nose in the air any more than, you know, somebody who no, fixes your car, really you know, is snobby about the tribe. fact that they can fix Really good toy. tribe. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Christopher's going to hang back with me because we have a whole bunch of other stuff that we're going to talk about. He's going to catch up with you guys on your trip here. The short bus is out there honking its horn. So we're going to say goodbye to you. But I just want you to let listeners know that we'll be back in just a few minutes with more Grape Encounters Radio. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Grape Encounters Radio. No good story about wine deserves to be bottled up. Committed to uncorking a new wine story every day is your host, David Wilson, right after this. We like to talk about wine. Hi, it's David Wilson, and if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. 
Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts in lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get your ship right away at mmorganics.com. He's back, and he's not alone. Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson and a little help from his friends. Back with Grape Encounters Radio and our friends uh, Christopher Number 2 and the lovely Veronica had to get aboard the short bus, and they're going to be doing a very intensive tour of our wine country here, but staying behind because he can never resist a good time, Christopher Sawyer. Let's first talk about this psalm camp that you're doing. Yeah. And you know what that's all about, because obviously, you know, I sat down before we started the interview with the other Christopher and Veronica, and these are seasoned professionals. I mean, they know everything about everything. It would seem so. Why would they come and spend four or five days you know, roaming just one wine country, you know, given the fact that there are literally hundreds of wine countries all over the world, will they do that in different areas and try to cover as many as they can? How does it work? It does work. And I think they were very happy to be here. It was it was great for me to be here, too. Let me, let's just start by saying that Paso Robles has gone a long ways over the past two decades. When I was a kid, you know, back in the, well, we won't say how old I am, but back a ways ago, there were not that many people here. And this area was not known for wine. We came back here to do Paso Psalm Camp because it's a very, very special area now. And why is that? It's because people with a lot of ambition and a lot of great vision came here to make it that way. We were very lucky yesterday to go uh, have a very intensive and very fun educational session with Jason Haas of Tablas Creek, and, and we had an amazing time. Uh, Jason was gracious enough to pull out some of his verticals of, of the, the Esprit White and the Esprit Red, which are tasting beautiful. I mean, tasting that 2000 Tablas Creek Esprit Red <laughs> and tasting the 2001 Esprit White was an amazing experience. Yeah, no doubt. But I, I want to I want to pull this yeah. though back to the idea yeah. of and, yeah. and not center right. completely on Paso Robles because yeah. you know I just want the listener who is thinking about becoming a sommelier, well, yeah. you know what what are they in for and will they do this kind of intensive training all over the world, all over the country? Yeah, well, I just wanted to give that as a great example of of something that we get to do that's very special. These are hands-on kinds of things that we're doing one-on-one with the winemakers of the area. These are 
things that are available for sommeliers around the world. It could be in Italy or France or Greece or Chile or you know, South Africa and be doing very similar things. I got to do my first one about 12 years ago when the Psalm Journal started this whole process. And it's really where you gather together all-star lineup of Psalms from, in this case, this last one that we did was mainly San Diego, Los Angeles kinds of areas, and then me from up in Sonoma County. Bring them together, put them in a place where they know about the wines from there, but you can never learn enough. And I think that's what these kinds of Psalm camps and Psalm tours are all about, is for educating sommeliers who already know a lot, but giving them fine-tuned information and allowing them to taste wines that make them better storytellers. I think that's really what it comes down to. We can, I can tell so many stories about Paso Robles now that I wasn't able to tell three days ago. It's the same thing if we applied it to Santa Barbara County or up in the Sierra foothills, or if we were in Burgundy in France or the great Tuscan region of, of Italy. So it's about getting these things lined up with great wineries that want to come on board. And they too, the wineries really want to educate uh, the sommeliers, just like they would want to educate the great consumers out there. And I think the sommeliers are the go-between between the great wineries and the consumers. And what's really interesting is that the number of sommeliers out there today, and especially among younger people, is just mushrooming, isn't it? Oh, it's huge. We've gone a long ways. You know, I found a Facebook post that came back. It was five years ago that I introduced the third showing of the movie Psalm. It was about just in May. So five years ago, May, when the movie Psalm came out. And since then, things have really blown up. That's a documentary that follows these five sommeliers that really get intense with their studies and, and how to become a master sommelier. Not to interrupt, but yeah. we've had on the show Ian Cobb multiple yeah. times. He's kind of, of the star of the movie Psalm. And I would say really quickly that if you have Netflix, and that is probably 95% of the yeah. American population, do watch the movie Psalm. It's on Netflix. And it will give you a really, really deep insight and a very fair insight, I think, into what it takes to become one of those people that stands at your table and tries to assist you with selecting a wine. Absolutely. What we learn as sommeliers is, is really interesting stuff. To be really honest, people walk through the doors of restaurants because the food is amazing. And that's what they've heard. Our job as sommeliers is to make their experience that much better by bringing wine in, complementing the food, having a diverse knowledge of wine regions around the world, being able to custom fit perfect pairings together. And I think the movie Psalm was an interesting movie because it doesn't really deal with food, unfortunately. That was the downfall of it, in my opinion. But the second one did a very good job of, of getting back to that subject. So that the second one is Psalm Into the Bottle. Into the Bottle, correct. And that movie might be even better than the movie Psalm because it takes you all over the world and it's really educational. I don't want to spoil it for you, but watch Psalm and then watch the follow-up movie Into the Bottle. Do they have another one coming? They do, and they're filming it right now. Absolutely. What's it called? I I do not know. <laughs> I know that they are going and my great uh, mentor, Fred Dame, will be a part of it again. again yeah. the, the first master sommelier in America. Great guy, fun guy. You'll really see more of Fred in the second movie because he actually is out hunting and everything. You know, he's a true Californian and I'm very proud of that man and he's proud of me. And, you know, we have great relationships in this industry and I think that's why getting back to Psalm Camp and, 
And what we've been doing here is bringing these people together. I mean, we, we were just across the street at the whiskey bar last night, you know, after we had finished everything, we were um, telling great stories about our lives and, and learning about each other even more. And it's a really important thing. You never know when you're going to need to um, use some of these great resources of these small EAs for certain events. And I, I mean, I'm lucky that, you know, I've been working with amazing people like John Lasseter and, and the Getty family. But sometimes I need great sommeliers to be part of my team. And because this networking kind of comes through this, it's an amazing thing that we do that has so much value to it to bring these sommeliers together and to grow up and learn things together we'll as well. Just have a, a, a less than a minute before we take a break. But these kinds of events, a, a lot of these, if you decide to become a SOM, are going to be free to you, right? And then some you're going to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the Psalm things, like we're lucky, the Psalm Journal, they did the pricing. And actually, the wineries buy into it, too, because it's really worth their time and their energy to do great dinners for us. Like Castoro Cellars did an amazing dinner for us the other night. And the same thing with Edna Valley Vineyards. Just sharing these things and sharing insight. And for them to have one-on-one contact with sommeliers is a big deal, too. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a hard time during the commercial break for not inviting me to either of those dinners, <laughs> which you know I would have enjoyed, but what yep. the heck. Hey, we're talking to Christopher Sawyer. He is, he's my favorite song by far to have on the radio. He's loads of fun, and you can probably find all kinds of stuff about Christopher online. Just Google it, Christopher Sawyer, probably just put wine after that, and you'll find out just how funny this guy is. you got to be funnier, you know, I know. on this show. What's going so on? boring, jeez. <laughs> You're low-key today. But anyway, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. People sometimes say it's the wine talking. Well, everyone knows that wine can't talk. That's why a bunch of grapes got together and hired David Wilson to do the talking for them. <laughs> David will uncork today's story after this. For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero, located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. about what he spends on wine, but liberal on how much he pours his friends. Here's your host, David Wilson. Just how deep do you want your wine knowledge to be? Well, there are just thousands upon thousands of people around this country and around the world who want to be sommeliers. It was once a word that we couldn't pronounce, we still can't pronounce it, so we say psalm instead. 
One of the great Psalms in America is Christopher Sawyer, and he is here in the flesh. And I might add, in a snappy little outfit, I notice you wore a Hawaiian shirt because you know that's required attire when you come into my studio, Christopher. Well, I just wanted to be kind of in your element, so that's why I wore this amazingly fun Hawaiian shirt. Okay, so let's let's talk about, and this is a pretty, I think, sensitive subject to some people, but I really want to talk about the amount of knowledge that the average consumer needs. I mean, obviously, there's a growing number of wine geeks out there, as we call them, and that's not a derogatory term by any stretch of the imagination, and people who want to go very, very deep into wine, even though they may not want to work in a wine profession. But then there's, you know, the the bulk of the population that not only loves wine, but is literally lost in the woods where wine is concerned. And as you survey how much knowledge is available out there, my belief is you have to really pick and choose the kind of knowledge that is going to benefit you the most, which is why I've centered this show not so much on tasting notes, but on, you know, how to have fun with wine and, and the, the wine lifestyle more than, you know, those specifics, those nitty gritty details that you get into as a sommelier. What do you recommend to the average consumer who is feeling lost? They walk into a package store or a grocery store or a wine shop or are even shopping for wine online and they feel like they're wandering around with Moses for 40 years trying to figure it all out. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's a starting point. is a, It's a term that was started back in the 90s. It's called fighting varietals. So what are fighting varietals? They are the baseline of what we build around here in America. So we talk about Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Those are basic ones that a lot of people know about. How can we learn off of that? Break it down into the Appalachians or the regions that they come from, and you have Napa Valley, Paso Robles, Santa Barbara, maybe you're even across the nation and you're you're doing some Virginia wines and you've got some fabulous Viognier or you're upstate New York and you've got some Riesling there. Buy some of those wines and taste them side by side. The same varietal, but different producers from different areas. And taste the difference there between those wines. And it starts to get into your system that, wow, these are very different. It says this is Riesling, but each one of these wines is very different. That's the beginning blocks of learning about wine, is going with the, the standards and really learning from that about the difference between styles from individual wineries. And as you do that, you start learning more about, well, where does Riesling come from originally? I mean, it wasn't growing, you know, in the ground here in, in America when, you know, the ships landed um, a long time ago. Then you start finding out about Germany and about the Alsace region in France and, and why it's such a, a classic, classic grape there. So I think in all these ways, I, I encourage people often to, if they're going to a grocery store, pick up a few bottles, not one bottle, but a few bottles. And make them from different regions. Make them from different regions. Yeah. And there is nothing more important right now than learning the differences between these regions. And it's it's special because you can base your whole vacation around these things now because we have so many good regions here in America. You know, I'm biased because I live here on the West Coast and I get to go to these places all the time. 
But it's one of those things that that's the beginning stages of learning is getting out there, looking at these grapevines, looking at the region where you're at and why the hills are so interesting and and these grapevines are cascading down these mountains and why do they plant them on the mountains? That's another question. And then you start asking the people in the tasting room and they start encouraging you to learn more just by telling you So you're some saying things. you're yeah. saying follow your curiosity. Absolutely. And, and that will benefit you. You know, I'm going to drop in here a, a pretty simple metaphor, but I think it will help. There's always been a debate about which is better, New York style pizza or <laughs> Chicago style pizza or perhaps even LA style pizza. And they're all very different. If you love pizza, you might like all three, but you might have a preference for Chicago style pizza. Yep. And wine is very much the same way. Just because, you know, I tell people just because you, you drink a Cabernet for the first time, and this is to a beginning wine consumer, and you didn't like it, it does not mean that you don't like Cabernet. I mean, it might have come from a region, and I can think of a few, as you can too, Chris, that are making it, that sh- that have no business making it, yeah. uh, but they do it anyway, and it's going to taste terrible, and you're going to think you don't like it. Acquaint yourself with other regions. You might be surprised. Or at least when you're in an environment where you can taste, you can go into a wine bar, and they'll probably give you a taste of this, that, and the other thing, and you might be shocked. The ones that really get me are the people, and I know this is going to really uh, get under your skin, Chris, in a in a really positive way. The ones that really get me are the ones who walk into the wine bar and they say, anything but Merlot. I don't want Merlot. And they picked that up in large part from the movie Sideways. Of course. Or uh, the fact that there was a lot of crummy Merlot out there. But there's never been a better time to drink Merlot than right now. Well, the bad Merlots got pulled out because of that movie, and now the the quality is so high. You know, and and that's kind of getting back into the subject. Again, I talked about uh, fighting varietals, the the common ones that we talk about. Where we've gone now in America is we're exploring new varietals that aren't in that category, and they are delicious too. So we have things like Vermentino, like one of these great Italian varieties it's really crisp and and clean and and uh you know kind of energizes the palate you know when you're having like some nice uh, salads you know during summertime or maybe we're talking about some of the Rhone varieties like Grenache Blanc you know down in southern California or down in the part of uh, central coast that we're at right now there's a lot of people growing Grenache Blanc yeah and it remember remember 10, 10 years ago yeah. Nobody ever heard of Grenache Blanc. Not at all. If you're a white wine drinker, this is one of the most beautiful wines to drink. Yeah. And even Viognier hasn't really been popular all that long yeah. and is, is growing in popularity. And I think what's, what's really a tribute to the younger people who are listening, the millennials, and where I want to throw out a great big thank you, is your curiosity and your tendency not to be a follower and a pack animal. Uh, the the millennials are going to be the first ones to walk into my wine bar and say, let me taste something that I've never heard of before. Yeah. And that was never the case in wine. It was always go with your comfort zone. I want Chardonnay, you know. Yeah. And, and by the way, there's another interesting point is like the pizza example, there are now three types of Chardonnays out there that I can tell you about. There's, there's more the, than that. <laughs> well, but, but what, I'm, what I mean in categories, yeah. there's the unoaked, the lightly oaked, and the overoaked, or mm. the heavily oaked, if you want to call it yeah. that. And we had a trend a while back where we went from lightly oaked 
to very heavily oaked and turned off a lot of Chardonnay drinkers who went off to other varietals because they thought Chardonnay had been ruined. Yeah. And now what's happened is, is that we have uh, this variety of styles of Chardonnay. They're vastly different. You'll yeah. love one and hate the other, even yeah. though they might have even been made from the same grapes, grown on the same property, made by the same winemaker, but it's how they, you know, yeah. did you, did you want it with Cajun seasoning? Did you want it with barbecue sauce or did yeah. you want it just broiled? Yeah. You know, just like we do with food. Well, you know, the other great topic to talk about too is, is rose, pink wines. Oh, geez. Are you kidding me? We are not talking white about Zinfandel. white Zinfandel and we are not talking about Matus and Lancers, which kind of brainwashed a lot of consumers out there thinking that pink equals sweet. And these younger people, this young generation now, never saw those wines. So what they see and what they taste of these pink wines is so much more interesting than we had back when we were growing up. And that's the beauty of it, is that the younger generation really is um, the explorers. And they, they really are. And they're kind of setting the trend for the older people as well. Imagine having grown up in our parents' generation when there were, you know, very few choices, you know. Jug wines were hot. And even boxed wines, you know. <laughs> yeah. Boxed wines have been around forever. And by the way, you know what? Don't buck the box. I know. The box, there's some there's good some ones. There's some great boxed wines out there. And there's some great winemakers who are understanding that that's a, a great thing to do. And it's convenient. And the, the wines stay very fresh. Anyway, we're talking to Christopher Sawyer, sommelier to the stars. He's my personal sommelier as well, which I guess, does that make me a star? Yeah, you you got star status. I'll, I'll, yeah, this is where you absolutely. were supposed to break into. <laughs> you don't have to be a star, baby, <laughs> to be in my show. We'll be back after this. <laughs> So, just what is a grape encounter? It's when wine is the catalyst of a really great time. Your grape encounter with David Wilson will continue in just a moment. Hi, it's David Wilson. And if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. 
They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts in lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get your shipped right away at mmorganics.com. Did you know that you can visit us in person right in the heart of the Central Coast wine country of California? We can get you a special rate at one of our loveliest hotels, introduce you to some epic wines in person, help you chart out amazing self-guided winery tours, and tell you stories that we're not allowed to share on the radio. Okay, that last one was a, a stretch. Here's David. All across the world right now, there are people who are dying to learn more about wine, and they are traveling in packs, and they are trying wine in different regions uh, to suck up as much knowledge as they possibly can. And one of those suckers is Christopher Sawyer, the sommelier to the stars. And he's been leading the camp here in our region. How many of these have you done out of the state yourself? I shouldn't say out of the state, out of the country. You know, it's kind of funny because I'm also a member of the media. So it's an interesting thing. I have done a few outside the country. I've done about a handful. So I'd say five as a sommelier outside the country. As a writer, I've done about 40. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you've, you've done like 45. Yeah, I've done like 45 trips. Yeah. yeah, I do. I do a number per year for sure. Uh, you know, I wanted to remark about that. I've done quite a few of them myself as only a journalist. And th- th- I'll tell you what, if you get invited on one of those trips, they will roll out the red carpet for you. But beware, because they will also work you to death. And a lot of people yeah. say to me, like, like when I came back from the Bordeaux trip and, you know, I showed people the photographs and they're going, wow, look at that, look at that. But a lot of people don't realize that when you go on a trip like that, you're out of bed at six o'clock in the morning, you got to finish your breakfast by seven, and then you're on the road and you're tasting wine all day, literally rushing from one uh, vineyard or uh, one winery or one chateau to another, to another, to another. You might squeeze in six or seven or eight in a day and then end it with a lavish dinner, but that lavish dinner is going to go on until midnight. You got to get back to your chateau, try to find a signal for your computer so that you can send your story yeah. back. It's a really hard day. It can be. And and I, I just did the... Um, Nobody's feeling sorry for me right the, now. The Concours Mondial <laughs> de Brussels, uh, which is a wine competition. And you know Jeff and Mike, and they were with yeah. me. They were with you in Bordeaux. But we went to China uh, last month, and, and oh, uh, that was wow. th- that was really something. And uh, we had to be up and at them. And, and that is another thing that sommeliers do. We'll judge competitions. So the Concours Mondial de Brussels was just celebrating its 25-year anniversary, and it was the first time they'd ever gone out of Europe. So last year we were in Spain. Um, this year we were in China and next year we are in Switzerland. So these are things where I'm doing a different job there. I'm tasting wines. I have to be up at seven to get ready to taste it at eight thirty, and, uh, we go for it. You know, it really varies on, you know, the type of sommelier tours too. I did a great one with Bertani in Italy and I felt it was very balanced. I, I didn't feel pushed 
and the luncheon was a good one because it brought out different styles of wine. And uh, then you go for a really interesting hands-on exploration of a vineyard. And then you're having a dinner with a whole different kind of thing. And it's a more formal dinner. So you also have to know how to dress <laughs> and what to bring because sometimes you're wearing suits and sometimes you're wearing shorts. Isn't um, that the truth? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you and I, I tend to be uh, informal dressers. But I've seen you. You clean up really good, Chris. Well, I, I love wearing suits and I love wearing shorts. So Do you like wearing I, tuxedos? I don't like tuxedos that no. much. They're they're too plain. My cummerbund always slips down to my waist and I look really stupid. <laughs> Tell me for a second about China. We don't have a lot of time, but I think that would yeah. be very interesting. I, so did you see any did you visit any wineries while we you were there? Did, we did. We visited an area right outside of Beijing and and you know, there's 23 million people in Beijing. We were on the outskirts of there in a really beautiful area. It was kind of the area where the Olympic Games were held a few years ago. So this area that we went to was right along the the Great Wall of China. China. And I got to tell you, I had some very, very good wines there. Uh, we had an evening event uh, with uh, what would be like the mayor of these provinces of Beijing came out to, to join us as well. And I'll tell you the one thing, um, and we were just talking about it a little bit earlier, about varietals that you might not know. And one that I have fallen in love with, Marcelin, is one that can be used for rosé or regular Marcelin. And I'll tell you, it is a hybrid of Cabernet and Grenache, believe it or not. Wow. And I had some of the finest versions I've ever had in China. I had tasted it about two years ago when I was in Uruguay. And we don't have hardly any here in the United States, but I was tasting with Jean-Charles Boisset in a new project he's um, working on called Jun. And it is from India. And guess what was in it? Marcelin. No kidding. And so I'm and it, and it makes fascinated. Sense we, you know, lately we've been seeing a lot of Cabernet being blended with Grenache. Yeah. And this is actually a hybrid that is those two varieties so, together. Know, let's just breed them. I love it. I'm, I'm I a big Marcelin fan. I might I get a Marcelin shirt. I don't know. I love the idea. I just have two minutes left, left Christopher. So I, I want to get your best advice to all of my listeners in terms of if they want to get very serious about wine, where is the entry point? I mean, maybe they want to take classes or whatever, but you can spend a lot of time, and I mean waste a lot of time, learning things that you really don't need to know. Yes. And so to avoid that pitfall, and I'm really talking about the person who just wants a personal education so that they can yep. start their own wine cellar or something, yep. where do they go? Well, like I said, um, go to a grocery store, buy some um, different producers that make the same grape variety, taste them, get some friends together and do that. That's a baseline. From there, go with your instincts. First of all, you're at a good restaurant and there is a good sommelier there that knows stuff. Ask that person questions. What should I be having with the dinner tonight? Learn some tricks from that sommelier and ask them in their area, where did they train? In a, on a bigger scale, you have the W set um, tests and you have the Guild of, of Master Sommeliers. In my area, like up north in, in Napa, um, we have the Culinary Institute of America, which is amazing. So you have these great schools all around the nation that are are really getting into this. If they have a culinary program at that school, at that institution or that, that university, chances are they've probably got a wine program now. And you find a lot of these great things um, that are popping up all over the place about wine education. 
And the other thing is, I was just at a great event in Sonoma County that we call the North Coast Wine and Food Extravaganza. Well, it's actually a festival, but go go to yeah, I've been I've been to that, and that is just fantastic. I mean, I broadcasted from there a couple years ago. Not only do we have amazing chefs, but the wines from these regions are so great. Go to these events, Christopher Sawyer. The sommelier to the stars. Go out and get yourself educated about wine. And if you you still feel a little lost, well, drink anything you can think of and you'll find your way. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. We'll talk to you next week at the same time. Thanks for listening. This week's Grape Encounters is down to the last drop. Don't let that trouble you. We're headed down to the wine cellar in search of something remarkably special to share with you next week. Until then, we've got hundreds upon hundreds of past episodes ready to be uncorked at GrapeEncounters.com. Help yourself to anything you'd like.